Hey, this is Joel Allen, the host of Biblical Conversations, honest conversation about difficult aspects of the Bible. Biblical Conversations is an invitation to a new way of thinking about Scripture. Typically, we come to Scripture looking for answers or to find wisdom, the Word of the Lord, or to find insight into the human condition. And while those are great questions to ask of Scripture, this podcast is about a new way of thinking about the Bible, a new way of looking at Scripture as an extended series of conversations, biblical conversations, conversations that are often in conflict and just as often finding conflict resolution. The Bible, like Jesus himself, is fully human and fully divine. And here we're going to explore the human side of this equation as a portal to deeper appreciation and deeper insight into the Bible as the very Word of God. The Bible was written by many different people with different ideas and different agendas. The authors of Scripture were people like you and me about the task of understanding this Yahweh who led them up out of Egypt and into the land of promise and who comes to us in the person of Jesus, our Christ. The Bible, as a fully human document, conveys ideas about God that are in conflict with other ideas about God in the Bible. The Bible is a human story about how these ancient people of faith with conflicting notions and competing understandings learned how to resolve conflicts and develop communities built on shalom. And this is why this is so important. We still live in community and we still have conflict, conflict that's getting worse by the day. We still seek shalom. We need to find shalom, God's peace. There's an art to learning to live within the bonds of peace and by divine grace in blessed community. And I believe that the most exalted, at least for me, the most transformative way we can experience the scriptures as, as the very words of God is to grapple with them in all their humanity. I've come to love the Bible even more passionately as God's word because it comes to us in the dust of history, the grind of politics, and the gore of warfare. It conveys a history generated by people of faith on a complex and meandering journey of redemption and grace. The words of these particular people have become for us the very word of God, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God for this unspeakable gift, a gift that points the way toward reclaiming blessed communities of shalom today and to God's eternal kingdom. Are you up for a new way of engaging in the holy scriptures of our faith? Let's have a biblical conversation. I'm Joel Allen, the host of Biblical Conversations. Biblical Conversations is a podcast that's devoted to honest conversation about difficult aspects in the Bible with a goal towards seeking understanding that leads to deepened faith and enhanced discipleship. In the last few weeks, we've been discussing the question, does God change God's mind? There are places in the Hebrew scriptures where it very clearly says that God does change God's mind. And then there are many others, there are several others that say that God doesn't And so we've spent two episodes discussing those and working through them. In this episode, I'll have conversation with Rebecca Trevs. Rebecca Trevs is the Executive Director of Ministries at the Dakotas Conference of the United Methodist Church. And she's a friend of mine from our church. We actually attend uh, Fusion Church together. 
and uh, Rebecca, I've always been very impressed with Rebecca as a very wise woman, a woman with a lot of insight and thoughtfulness. And she's the type of person that can really look at things from several different angles. And so we had really wonderful conversation yesterday. It was just a lot of fun uh, discussing the question, does God change God's mind? Here we go. Okay, I'm here with Rebecca Trevs, who's the Executive Director of Ministries in the Dakotas Conference of the United Methodist Church. And Rebecca has listened to the last two podcasts on God changing God's mind. And we have some uh, thoughts, and she has some insight and some perspective and some uh, pastoral thoughts about this that uh, we'd like to discuss. And so, Rebecca, if you just introduce yourself for the audience, that'd be great. Yeah, I, like Joel said, I'm Rebecca Trevs. I've been serving here uh, as the executive director of ministries uh, at our uh, conference office here in Mitchell, South Dakota for the past five years. Before that, I served uh, as a pastor at United Methodist Churches in Brandon and in Rapid City, South Dakota. And so, yeah, thank you, Joel, for yeah. inviting me to, to be in this conversation. Yeah. It was yeah. really interesting to to listen to kind of the lead-in podcast and some mm -hmm. of the the things you shared and the, the research and background, um, mm -hmm. some things I was familiar with, some other things that I that were mm -hmm. really new to me. And, you know, one of the things that, that stuck out to me, um, even with the title, even as you were talking, um, you know, does God change God's mind? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the first word, of course, is that, that big word that I always struggle to pronounce, right, right. anthropomorphizing, right, which right. is basically like giving human characteristics to God. Right, so we describe right. God in, in human ways. Which I think is is valuable. I mean, we're trying mm -hmm. to understand God's character. I think that um, the incarnation mm -hmm. is uh, reason alone to try and understand God's character in right. human terms. Yeah. And yeah. yet, I wonder if, in thinking about it this way, we we run the risk of doing it too concretely. Right. Right. And like that, um, sort of thinking about God, God's mind, God, that it's very it's too concrete mm -hmm. and that we have not expanded it and you know of where uh the the example you talked about of jonah mm -hmm. you know and god sent jonah to to threaten him i'm going right, to do right. this and then when they listen god relented yeah, repented yeah. whatever that and and didn't punish them right. and so do we think of when god says i'm you know go do this because i'm right. going to do this if we think too concretely yeah. in terms of how god's mind being so set by huh. that statement hmm. Well, it's interesting when you ask about uh, anthropomorphization. It, it is a very difficult word to <laughs> you say. You do it better than I do, so kudos to Joel. I did Gold practice star. a few times before <laughs> we started. So, uh, but when we think about it, that the tr traditional way that people have explained this is to say, look, the Bible is presenting God as a human. Of course, God doesn't actually change God's mind, and God knows the beginning from the end and would never choose to do something that he'd later regret because God has absolute knowledge from the start. And yet, I, I, when I was in seminary, one of my professors said, when the Bible says something over and over and over, eventually we probably ought to start to listen. And I thought that was interesting because we, I think we have a tendency to not want to go down this road because it's like God knows the future. It's such a part of the way we think about God. And to think about God as actually being engaged in time. Yeah. 
as if God doesn't know the future and is actually kind of watching us to see what we do and then moderating what God does in relationship to what we do. And, and then sometimes like being surprised, like, whoa, I didn't expect them. And in the Bible, sometimes God's surprised in a negative way, like, wow, they're a lot more sinful and <laughs> than, the, than I was expecting. And then it's sometimes it's, it's a positive way. It's like in the Jonah story. It's like, wow, that I told them in 40 days the city would be overturned and they're repenting all over themselves and even the animals are repenting, it appears. And and because uh, Jonah says that they put sackcloth on the animals mm -hmm. as well, and so, uh, and so just it's, in case, just in case <laughs> that animal looks really repentant. So, but it's it's interesting that that I, I think there's a there's a there's a reluctance to go down this road to say that God doesn't have absolute knowledge of the future. But I think that's the kind of crazy, almost dangerous thing that the Bible is actually saying that God is really in time with us. That God is like working through things with us, and it almost makes God seem less omniscient, well, mm. it, or more finite. Mm. But I think that's the way the Bible presents God. In other words, when I say God, I'm created in the image of God, part of that is I'm in time and God's in time, and God's mm. not in some other time zone where, you know, God planned it all out and he's in this eternal now. I just, you know, I think God's in time with us, and it may feel over-concretizing, but I feel like that's kind of what the Bible's saying. And I feel like in a way, it's like, deal with it, right? Yeah. In other words, that we have to kind of like, no, God's actually in time. That seems to be the way the Bible's presenting it. And then maybe God's like self-limiting so that, you know, God could have chosen everything from before the beginning of the earth. And, you know, but God wanted to give us real active freedom. And so he kind of backs up and... Anyway, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, well, and it's interesting. I mean, a couple of things stand out to me what you say there. Um, you know, one is, you know, that, that reminder of, you know, we're creating the image of God. I think that is also the counterpoint is to remember and be cautious not to create God in our own image. So yeah, yeah, to, yeah. To do it backward. And yep, that's, yep. I think that's where the, the danger of mm -hmm. um, anthropomorphizing or humanizing yeah. God too much is that we, we turn it actually yeah, the yeah. other way. I also yeah. think, and I, I think mean, that's like, a real danger. I yeah, really what your 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 seminary professor said of, but if you know, kind of, we see this pattern, mm -hmm. da da da. Where I where that really resonates with me um, is how do we get an um, an image of God's character, not mm -hmm. not, and which I don't know if character and, and God's mind. If that I hadn't thought about, are those the two mm -hmm. same things? Mm -hmm. Because it's interesting, you know, use the word. Um, Fickle and feckless yeah, like, yeah, is, yeah. It, you know, that changing and nope, God changed yeah, God's yeah. mind, da, 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 da. Yeah. But then I wonder, you know, but is there a difference between that and being compassionate and abounding yeah, in steadfast yeah, yeah. love, the yeah. God of second chances, the mm -hmm. God of, I mean, we, the, you see throughout the, the biblical narrative, mm -hmm. a God who does give second chances. Yeah, I yeah. mean, who continually wants to move God's people towards this mm -hmm. love, and yet, and I liked how you described that as sort of self-limiting to allow them mm -hmm. to be, a, allow us to be a part of that and, right, right. and choosing that. And, and, and we know that, I mean, there's, I mean, I can tell you if my, my kids choose to do something, right. they own it, they yeah, embrace yeah. it better than if I just tell them to do it. So there yes, is something yes. about that. And yet God's self-limiting, I'm okay, we're going to, I'm going to give this sort of second chance, if mm -hmm, you will, or, mm -hmm. or allow them to 
repent and mm-hmm. we're gonna okay maybe I don't I don't have to mm-hmm. rain down the fire on right, you I'm gonna right. allow you to learn and, and shift and grow yeah. I don't that was that difference with fickle and feckless but as yeah, yeah. opposed to compassionate and abounding and steadfast love yeah 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 that's repentance. good and I think one of the things that helps us to in other words when I said that God comes across as fickle and feckless that's like on first reading right, and, right yeah. but but when you when you really look at what's going on you got if, if you understand these things in a covenantal context so like God is eternally committed to redeeming this world and to redeeming us through Christ and you know and that's not going to change and God's God's got an eternal commitment to uh, to um, restoring Eden and, yeah. and and bringing back the new Jerusalem and 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 the you know the tree of life will reappear with you know that's right. God's driving goal and that's never going to change that's you know and so uh, while it may appear fickle and feckless, if you look at God changing God's mind within the context of covenant, the covenant doesn't change. Right. And God may kind of make some decisions along the way to get us there, like a, you know, maybe a masterful chess player might mm-hmm. change strategies. The strategy is always to win the game, but uh, they're, they're, you know, as someone might make a, a, a move and like, wow, I didn't expect that, but I can still go move over here, you know? Right. And so, and so I, when I use that term, the terms fickle and feckless, I was thinking of it in terms of like at first glance, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. if you really think about it in terms of covenant, God's covenant never changes. So maybe like you're saying, maybe it's more abounding and steadfast love. That's the covenantal yeah, side yeah. and that's never going to change. And- a book that really impacted me a lot and just um, sort of long, and again, of whether it's, God's mind, or in mm-hmm. this case, it was it was describing the will of God, and right. the name of the book was "The Will of God" right. by Leslie Weatherhead. And I think, mm-hmm. I mean, it came out mm-hmm. maybe the sixties. Yeah, I've seen it around. I've never read yeah, it. Yeah, no, they um, and they they re they republished it with mm-hmm. kind of a study guide and mm-hmm. a couple extra chapters. So, I, but but it talked about God's intentional will, right. and you know, kind of that when you think about that intentional to be mm-hmm. in relationship with yeah, God, yeah. in relationship with one another, to care for. For creation, all of right, that, right. and yet we know that's gone wrong and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. continues to in right. multiple ways. Right. And yet, and then it talked about God's circumstantial will, which right. kind of use with the chess example mm-hmm. is that God can, there's nothing that we can do, right. free will, that is outside God's ability to then work th- through to move towards God's ultimate will, yeah, which, as yeah, you yeah, said, yeah. is, you know, restoration. It right, is right. the New Jerusalem. It is. Right. And and so, I mean, that was such an interesting concept for mm-hmm. me, too, mm-hmm. in terms of how, you know, somebody once said, oh, God, God is so simple. It's so right. clear and laid out in the Bible, and God is so simple. And I, you know, I appreciate that person and kind of what they were trying right. to say, and yet I pushed back because yeah. for me it was like, oh, please, no, God, don't be simple yeah, because yeah. I want, I need a God who actually has, whose God's mind is bigger than yeah, mine, yeah. who can understand and how to yeah, work through because yeah. I can't always see how to work yeah, yeah. through or how could this be redeemed or mm-hmm. this I and and that I don't think that was your intention God mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so you need to shift in some way mm-hmm. change your mind about how you're because this needs some redemption and that, right, and right, that right. was 
that was a helpful yeah. concept for me in yeah. terms of thinking through that. And I think it's really compatible with this way of understanding yeah. God. And I should just want to mention too that you know having these understandings of God <clears throat> are really important because you know the way we conceive of God shapes the way we relate to God. And, and if you conceive of God as kind of outside time and kind of in the static zone, then it's hard to relate to that. But if you see God as like really engaged and like you were saying, having this primary will, but then you're messing up over here. And God can still, <laughs> like we all do, God can still has secondary wills where God can. The only thing I would like to add to that is it, it, it may be <clears throat> the way I like to think about it is kind of like in each point in time, like here's a point in time, they're like, countless possible paths we could take and God and here's the might counterfactuals thing God in other words God knows what might happen and he understands all those things even though they're not actually happening he knows all of them that might happen and also knows which are more probable so like Rebecca is probably going to do this but Rebecca may do that and Rebecca may do that and so and there's hundreds of them and then you make a decision and sometimes it might surprise God and but God still always even if you make a bad decision God still from that point God has another will and yeah. here's your will and, and God so in other words God's really in time with us God has a primary will like you're saying and 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 then you know secondary wills or wills that are provisional depending on your decision what yeah. you might decide and so and so maybe it's a little bit more complicated than whether had described it in the sense that there's at any moment there's all kinds of different possibilities and God's very aware of them and God's in complete control but you know there are times God's like kind of surprised oh Rebecca did that I didn't expect that well I was I'm a little disappointed but we can get you we will still get you there right and, <laughs> You're, you're, you, there's a hundred ways God can get you there. And God's got it, you know, it's kind of this multiplicity of ways. So I like the way he describes it. And I feel like it's very compatible. But uh, but it's I, I like to think of it in this other way of a little bit more, you know, energy and dynamic to yeah. things changing all the time. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it's interesting that people can make decisions that really do impact their future in major, major ways. Yeah. And yet God always has redemptive potential for right. them. Well, and, and that's where, you know, the, the image um, that came to my mind that was like that, and I've used this in a sermon before because, and I actually think it was probably when I was doing the sermon series on the will of God, mm -hmm. but it was back in the day, the, the pick a path or choose your own adventure Oh, books. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you the book is there. It's right. all right there written. Right. Right. with all the different paths and endings. Right, right. And yet when you as the reader are going through it, mm -hmm. unless you cheat like I did and you kind of look both <laughs> options, you pick a path. I mean, you right, pick it right. and then it can also, but it it's not like once you go this way, you can never come back to sort of the, the one that ends you up at the, right. you know, with everything great, but you could end up the other. I mean, mm -hmm. it allowed and yet the whole book was there. All right. the different, and that right. was, again, all, any of these analogies yeah, are just yeah. going to be such a finite right, piece. Right, yeah, but that was, right. I sort of for me, that, that was a, a, a good example of kind of... I don't know. I don't know that I would totally um, say that something surprises God. And okay. the reason I say it, and partly, again, this was some another... I should probably write down who says these brilliant things to me. So, um, you know, author unknown here because um, right. I can't remember. So if someone's listening, well, right, they told me this. Yours. If now they told yours. me this or I read this or you know where I heard this, right. please write in and tell me this. Because I did. 
Uh, but it was, it was, it said, you know, God is never disillusioned with you right. because God was never illusioned with you. Okay. And it was that idea that, like, I, I can't um, disappoint God mm. in the way that I think about right. my kids disappointing me. Right. Because God knows me fully, right. so fully, that there's nothing that I could do that, you know, that the heights and depths, mm-hmm. you know, I go to the height, you're there. I go right, to the depths, right, right. you're there. Yeah, yeah. God knows all all of my potential for good and mm-hmm. ill. Mm-hmm. And so nothing, now, it could at the same time, um, the word, is it nikam? Is it? Nikam is the, the Hebrew yeah, verb, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and I loved, I was just looking up the definitions, but, yeah, and yeah. one of them was to breathe deep, to right, sigh. Right, to sigh, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, so I have a father who right, did right. this well. <laughs> If you're listening, Howard. Yes, Howard. This was, you know, and it was. I think I do that with my own right? children. I do too. Time. Oh my gosh, <sighs> they know that. Um, but it was this. We had sense... hoped for so much more. <laughs> no, just kidding. Right. It was that. It, I think it can come from different places. Right. Right. Because it, it doesn't necessarily have to come from surprise or disappointment, but it right. can come from. I I wanted this for you. Right. I, Hoped right, right. for you to have this experience, yeah. and yeah. now either you're going to have the pain, which I know is redemptive in itself, yeah. or the yeah, consequence, yeah. or I'm going to be the consequence. I'm <laughs> right. going to provide the consequence, and you're yeah. going to have that. Yeah. And I don't, I, I don't want do to have to do yeah. that. But that's part of the learning yeah. and growing. So I, I thought of, I and mean, when I read that, I thought about, and I kind of went back and read those verses in mm-hmm. original, and then God sighed and went, yeah. <sighs> "Okay, well," yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it was yeah. just a different image for yeah, me yeah, than. Yeah relenting or you know change God's mind of just this sigh of okay this is where we are where with we are. humanity yeah. this yeah. is where my kids are yeah yeah so this is how we're going to proceed yeah if you think about the first time that Nikam is used in Genesis yeah. 6 then it kind of fits well here because God so God is disappointed with the you know it's like he looks down yeah. at the earth and it's all sin all the time yeah. and and he he kind of sighs but he but he wants them to relent from their sin but God also feels like disappointment but in the text says God was disappointed that he had made humankind yeah. and so so it's an interesting thing because he's sighing in terms of sadness over what they're doing but also sighing over like, oh, this is changing everything. And now I'm, you know, we've got to replan here. We've got to rethink. And, 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 well, and so, even, I don't, you know, I don't know about you, but you know, I don't like to have to punish my children. Right. Right. I would rather them just choose good. Yeah. 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 But I know that consequence and punishment is also part of the learning process but I don't I mean I think there is a and again totally just putting human parenting image on it there is a sighing that goes with that and again for me my experience sometimes the sighing is sadness Mm -hmm. frustration Mm -hmm. um you know disappointment whatever I mean I that's that's why I liked that this word yes of it again because it's used it's you know sometimes Mm -hmm. you know was disappointed, mm-hmm. regretted, da da da, whatever right. the the translation scripturally, and yet for it to, to put sign into those and to think, yeah, I, yeah. it felt a little more, a little less concrete yeah, than yeah, trying yeah. to okay. decide yeah, yeah. what like God was feeling <laughs> right. in that. To right. me, a sigh can be so many things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it leaves it open to just say God had to, <sighs> yeah, like, you know, yeah. and it just. 
kind of, like you know, and you don't, because again, you can hear someone sigh mm. and you, you don't know exactly what they're yeah. thinking or feeling, but you know there's just a pause. Yeah. And this isn't, this wasn't what the intention was. Right, it right. wasn't supposed to turn out like yeah. this. Yeah. And so, and I who mean, knows? I mean, I never thought about, the thing that just popped in my mind back to the Jonah mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. when God sighed and said, I'm not going to do this. Was it was the sigh also towards Jonah? Like, you know, I've been working on Jonah. Like, yeah, this yeah, has yeah. been maybe about the Ninevites, but it's kind yeah. of been about Jonah. Oh no, no, the whole and story. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and now I'm sighing because, gosh, I'm gonna have to do some work on him in a different way because <laughs> right, he's right. gonna be mad. He wants yeah, it so concrete yeah. and simple, smite wants, these people and be done. Yeah, 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 and now it's not as simple yeah. and black and yeah. white as he wants it. Yeah. I'm I'm working with them yeah. to try and bring him to the ultimate. And that may be hard for that's gonna be hard now for Jonah yeah, to. Yeah. So when does God also sigh not because of that situation, but because of other situations? Yeah. Like sigh, okay, I'm gonna give it a second chance, or I'm gonna right. that. And that means others who thought the older brother yeah. in the parable of the, mm-hmm. the prodigal yeah, son, yeah, yeah. others are gonna think, Well, God, why didn't you do it this way? Right, right. We right. had this set plan. It yeah. was supposed to go this way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing I like about the, the, using the word sigh there, and I hadn't, I'd never thought of using sigh as a way of understanding, but, uh, but a, a neat aspect of that is when someone sighs like your father, like your father did, or, you know, in, in a lot of these situations, it's your frustration is kind of like the other side of your love. Oh, because yeah. you really, you're, I mean, if you didn't care about the person, you wouldn't feel that way. It'd be like, so what? Yeah. I don't really care <laughs> Bye. About you. That's right, exactly. <laughs> but when you feel that, like, oh, I don't want this for them, it's like the other side of your love for them. And I think that that, that using the word sigh there might help us, even in the biblical text, get a little bit more of a sense for, like, God's really... He really loves these people, but he's just sad that things are working out this way for him and and that made these decisions. And then that's like, oh, what am I going to do now? But what I love about this is that it really helps us to understand that a part of God and help understand God, you know, really as a loving parent rather than as someone that's kind of outside of the time zone. So, uh, anyway. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's, it's funny too, um, sort of doing that I'd have to go back and it was always the image that I got um when God comes looking for Adam and Eve in the garden after they've eaten the fruit Mm -hmm. of you know when when God realizes what they've done Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it it wasn't supposed to be like this but that doesn't I love that you said that of it that the other side is because because I love you and I want that I want what's best for you and I see that but I also love you enough to sigh and, yeah. and come yeah. up with okay now what what's the what's the sort of shift that needs to happen to learn right. but also right. grow to also to come back yeah. to me by your you know your mm-hmm. mature own volition and, and choosing and that and um and the, understanding this god god this way really gives us hope i think because you know it's there's never a point i mean god there, god can be like and i'm sorry you've gone down this path but there's always that you know that well, but I have a plan for you, right. and it will just start from here. And and um, well, and that's ahead. yeah, that's where again when I was listening to your stuff, and another the other image that came into my mind was the crucifixion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thinking about that moment in time, where it's like this could not. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, again, many theologies would say you know that was God's in, 
tent mm-hmm. all along. And yeah, yet, yeah. as a human, it's hard to understand why, mm-hmm. and and you know why people would get to that point of doing that and right, why how right. God would, and yet and Jesus says, you know, forgive them for they know mm-hmm. not what they do. Yeah, and yeah. that idea that we don't always understand. Mm-hmm how God could work through a situation yeah, or why yeah. God would allow a situation or that. Mm-hmm. And yet, that, like you said, that hope that yeah. comes in saying, you know, I think about that. Again, you go to a parenting and thinking, my child who might be making really, really bad decisions right. along the way is never too far right. for God's and you know circumstantial will mm-hmm. or pieces are to allow a path home right. a way to work through even that right that darkest right. valley yeah to to kind of lead toward the ultimate good and that mm-hmm. covenantal love being mm-hmm. experienced and realized yeah. in our in our time and that's that so so yeah, yeah. i think it is a hopeful idea that that god you know is working with us yeah, 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 yeah. And, and loves us enough to yeah. want us to to grow and mature and yet is and yet is so beyond our human understanding yeah. that yeah. we also can trust mm-hmm. God sees the bigger picture I heard a theologian a while back just a few days ago actually and another podcast <laughs> in fact uh, described the cross he said you know there are all the it was, he was kind of going over different theologies of atonement and there's an atonement debate that's you know going oh, yeah. on in theological circles <laughs> which is it, it is a very interesting yeah. set of discussions for me but he said I, I think and he, he had just written a book on the atonement and uh, Scott McKnight is his yeah. name anyway he said I think all the views of the atonement can be kind of boiled down to one basic kind of core that they're all working out of and that's identification for incorporation. In other words, Christ identifies with us to incorporate us into the very heart of God. And I thought, that's really cool. Christ identifies with through the incarnation with us in order that we might be incorporated into the life of God. And I just thought that to me, you know, that just makes you really sense, you know, the passion of God and the the, and it's kind of one of those things that when you really think about that, it really makes yeah. you love God all over again and, yeah. and appreciate the, that, uh, that the glory of the atonement. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that of what God would do yeah. Yeah. in order to bring us back to God mm-hmm. and also show that. I mean, again, I think it's to show that nothing we could do. I mean, we, meaning humanity, mm-hmm. meaning that time and space, but all time and space, mm-hmm. have within us the capacity to kill God. I mean, yeah. if you think yeah. about yeah. incarnation, that mm-hmm. we have that capacity for evil. Yeah. And yet, God has the capacity beyond that to yeah. work through even our worst the capacity worst yeah. to, to really flip it upside yeah. down yeah. for God's ultimate yeah. will. Yeah. And that's powerful to me. I mean, it's that's our, that is our story. Yeah. That is our, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, to say the worst, mm-hmm. worst thing humanity could yeah. do, God could flip yeah. to yeah. say that, that God's powerful enough and loving enough to do, yeah. to do beyond that. Thank you, Rebecca. I really yes. enjoyed this. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. And this me, went really well. I don't think I'm going to have to edit very much. Okay, great. I think we basically got <laughs> right. it. So. Great. Awesome. So good. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. It did record, right? It was yeah, recording. It did record. Okay. 
Well, thanks a lot for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I've really enjoyed uh, this whole experience and I appreciate the uh, time you took to listen. And I would really encourage you to rate and review and share and all that stuff. You can rate it in Apple or whatever the platform you're in which you're listening to this podcast. I also uh, want to mention that uh, we may have another episode here in this topic. Not quite sure yet. We'll see how it pans out. But the next topic that we're going to uh, wade into is the topic of godliness and the good life. So the basic question about which there are different opinions in the Bible is the question, does God reward people for godliness? If people are godly, will they be blessed? Or uh, does can people um, be... Uh, godly without actually experiencing the good life. And so um, so it's a very interesting debate. In fact, I first was exposed to this tension by one of my sem- seminary professors. He wrote an article. I actually never had him in a class, but his name was David Thompson. He wrote an article and then later discussed this article uh, in a setting where I was able to sit in. And I was so taken by it. It's such an interesting question. And I knew that there are both sides of these, this issue out there, but I'd never heard someone really spell it all out. And uh, I was just taken with it. In fact, I was so taken with this topic that it started me on this whole pathway, this whole journey, this whole odyssey of understanding the Bible as competing voices and, and, and trying to figure out how to make that work in terms of the Bible having a unified message. So godliness and the good life, we will be jumping to that. I've actually got the first episode already recorded. And um, so it's, it's a really, really important topic with a lot of just important you know, Im- implications that deal with daily life, especially as you might think of the uh, prosperity gospel and how people are, are impacted by that. So the next issue or the next episode is godliness and the good life. Is there a direct connection between them or not? So thanks again for listening. Please rate, review, share, all that good stuff. Always remember the word of God is for the people of God. So thanks be to God.